Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you, are you done yet? We're going to start the show. Black and Gold Hockey Podcast presented by Black and Gold Productions Podcast Network. We are sponsored by Bet Online. Go to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50. Today is November 1st, 2020, and it is episode 201 after last week's milestone 200th episode. I'm happy to be back, but so so sorry I missed it. I'm with Heather Ingerson again today. Hi, Heather. Hello, boys. How are you today? Good. And Mark Allred, our founder and CEO. Mark, how you doing? What's up, Matt? I hope that you and your wife uh, had a great time last weekend. I heard you went to some place in New Hampshire, so I that's did. that's awesome. And I'm uh, glad that you uh, were able to break away from the uh, the, the tedious uh, work at Black and Gold to uh, enjoy some family time. Right. I mean, it, it, I mean, it was, and then. It, Sometimes it's my getaway too of uh, being able to do some black and gold hockey stuff and not have to uh, deal with the, the everyday stuff that family brings, which is joyous. Um, so, uh, Mark has a, a read for us and then we'll get going. Absolutely. We're going to talk about uh, show sponsored by online.ag. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline.ag gives you more options to wager than any place online and have been a staple in the gambling industry for over 20 years. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures. Head over to BetOnline.ag. .ag, either on your PC or mobile device, and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And please don't forget to use code CLNS50. That's CLNS50. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Excellent. Thanks, Mark. And uh, we'll get uh, right into it. And first, we start with a little bit of sadness. We uh, 
actually this past week, Travis Roy, former Boston University hockey player, uh, who was tragically paralyzed in his first shift uh, with the Boston University Terriers back, uh, I believe it was 1995, um, actually passed away at the age of 45. He was such an, an advocate for and, and helped so many people in his situation. Uh, and, um, you know, I actually met Travis years ago working in Boston Sports Radio and his dad, Lee Roy. Um, and, uh, you know, Travis is just a, a good human being who used a tragic you know, situation to really help others and turn something positive from it. And, and he, uh, he died unexpectedly having a procedure that he usually does, I guess I, I read correctly. And uh, it's too bad that um, obviously it's hard to have a, a long life with there, but he used every bit of the seconds he had uh, to help other people. So it was, it was too bad. And I, I don't know uh, if you have any thoughts. So we'll start with Mark on Travis Roy. Yeah, a total inspiration to those people with spinal cord injuries. And when what he did, um, you know, it was above him to, to to make sure that, you know, news and information and, and, and research was uh, was more involved in into his everyday life. And it wasn't about him, it was about everybody else. So the kind-heartedness that that guy put through for so many years after that accident so long ago, um, after, what was it? Uh, 11 seconds in his first yeah. shift you know yeah. uh, that's that's really tough so um but what the legacy that he left back you know is just amazing and and hopefully um the foundation keeps going and we can you know somehow find a a, a resolution to these injuries um so it's it's really sad. I mean, New England lost a, a very good hockey player, a great person, and an advocate that that you know will never be forgotten. So, um, yeah, I thoughts go out to uh, his family and friends. I had the pleasure of meeting Travis at a, a fundraiser that he put on in the back bay at a restaurant. I can't remember, uh, but um, I, I met him, shook his hand, and and it was very nice, you know. So, sad sad week uh, in uh, in New England hockey. Have your thoughts on Travis? Yeah, I, I didn't have the pleasure of meeting him, but I do just remember. It seems like it was so long ago, but it really feels like the other day because, again, I love B, you know, I'm a BU hockey girl, and I just remember being so pumped, like this kid, Maynard coming in, you know, whatever. And uh, I just, I think he speaks to what um, what real heroes are like. Do you know what I mean? That you take a tragedy, and like Mark said, it was not, after that, after, you know, he's, you know, started healing and whatever, it wasn't about him. It was about everyone else and like what to do about spinal cord injuries or safety and, you know, like making hockey safe. So these kind of things, you know, whatever. And uh, just a big voice. And uh, if anyone wants to, you know, help, you know, the Travis Roy Foundation, just what he did with his foundation. And uh, I watched something with Chris Drury when it was being inducted into the uh, hockey, the like American Hockey Hall of Fame, and it was like a clip, and he specifically talked to him. He was one a teammate of his, you know, and just a great person. And everyone who met him said that, and just all the work he did. So my heart really does go out to his family, and thank you, Travis, because you're the type of heroes and role models that we need in the world, right? Like you, it's not what happens, it's what you do with it, right? And he modeled that. So thoughts and prayers to the family, and it is a big loss, not just for New England, but just everyone you know what i mean because he was a true warrior hero in many ways very true and uh, rest in peace travis roy for sure um on to the next item in the agenda and our our, our legendary bobby orr was in the news this week and it, it came to some mixed reactions 
I've always known Bobby Orr to be a gracious person, lovely human being, nothing but great things said about him, but caught some scrutiny this week by endorsing Donald Trump uh, and the hockey community just erupted. I, I know that I was watching, looking at some of the comments from, from people saying that they completely changed their view on Bobby Orr and so forth. And I just think that's a little simple minded, but I wanted to get your thoughts and Heather, we could start with you on, you know, is it, you know, when you, when you endorse Donald Trump, is that really saying the type of person you are? Has that changed what are your views on Bobby Orr? All right. So I'm a very political person. I love that shit. And I know Mark's probably nervous. I'm going to make it about politics, but I'm not. It's what I'm going to make it about is this crazy rhetoric of, I don't know. Personally, I separate Bobby or the hockey player and, you know, the legend that he is. And I'm a firm believer that everybody should vote. I don't, I'm not someone who believes that my side needs to, I believe that a healthy democracy is people voicing their opinion. So I believe Bobby Orr has every right to support Donald Trump or not. I remember we had a similar meltdown in the last election because of uh, Bob Kraft or something's friends with him. I don't care. Like if he wants to waste his money and do that, if he supports Donald Trump, I don't care whether I support Donald Trump or not. I think it's very simple minded to let your political, if any celebrity is telling you who you should endorse as a candidate, then you're not using your vote responsibly. You know, you vote your conscience, you vote the information. So my view hasn't changed on Bobby Orr because to me, Bobby Orr is a hockey player and, you know, a great one at that and all the ambassadorship and stuff he's done for the game. I don't mean to like simplify him, but am I shocked that like a kind of affluent white guy might endorse? No, like, I, I, but I don't think like, if you're a fan of a sport, you should be able to... Isn't the whole point sports is not politics? We get into this all the time. This isn't where, you know, sports is where you lay it on the line, warrior to warrior. It's not, who cares if Bobby Orr endorsed Donald Trump? It doesn't change my opinion. I still love Bobby Orr just in the same way. I know Mel Gibson's a total douche, but it doesn't make me want to go, freedom! I love Mel Gibson, but I, I'm not saying he's a solid human. But like you said, Bobby Orr is otherwise a solid human being. So who cares, right? Candidates change. Like, it just this idea of attacking each other, everything. Like, who cares, man? Like, vote who you want politically. But I'm old enough to remember when in America, politics didn't define you. Like, you might have been political, but, like, Republicans and Democrats could talk to each other perfectly reasonably without, like psychotically you're a crappy person because you like that candy no like you have the right to endorse who you want whatever your reasons are as long as you can justify them to yourself who cares so well, that was honestly even it, we're older people so um and you know politics might have been rele relevant to me back in the day but it's not anymore it's just something that to me splits family and friendships apart and i hate that so um and i i don't like the fact that people judge by who they endorse and what they say when it comes to sports. And, and I think that's a very unfair thing and, you know, beat me down with it if you want, but it's just, it's just not cool. Um, and w when I bring back the history and us being older, we had a voice, but we didn't have the, the keyboard warriors back then when you could just throw something out there on social media and see if it sticks and, and, it, you know, not get called out. Well, you're going to get called out for it, but you know, it, it's just a, an easy passage to freaking spew you crap. So um, the sad thing about it is, is just the stuff that you're seeing online and how people are upset about this. Like, I've seen so many pictures of, of jerseys that are signed that are in, like, 
uh, wall frames in the I mean they're thousands of dollars sold. I want everything Bobby Orr out of my house. This is just getting absolutely crazy. This guy was a New England icon. This guy brought hockey to New England. Rinks were built after this guy in New England. And and everybody just goes south after he says one stupid thing. I don't care who you endorse or nothing. That's your right to do that. But why go off and and ruin like this guy's like legacy by by just who he hangs around with or, or enjoys to freaking support? I was I was. Can I just say though too? But at the same time, Bobby Orr being a legend in this area, and really he's a man who brought two nations together, right? Because he's a Canadian, Nash, you know, and an American hockey hero too, all of the same. But he had to have known taking out a full page ad would bring him heat. So that says something to him that he is a grown man that can separate, you know, like he probably didn't understand that maybe he would get this, like he had to have known in this environment with Twitter and Facebook and all that, that the backlash wasn't going to be good. But all the more to it, if you really support your candidate that much, you want to lay your money on that and you want to take the heat that like, like, like you said, it's just stupid. I know. Yeah. Like you want to get rid of all your Bobby Orr stuff over him paying his own money to have an ad out in a newspaper in New Hampshire where there's like 7 million people total. <laughs> just say. Yeah. Just I, I just, I, I, I just think that over the course of, of 70 some odd years or however old he is and none of negative words have ever been said about him. And then he endorses Donald Trump. And now we've, all of a sudden we've determined what type of human being he is. I think it's just reckless. And, and I think it's unfair to be honest. Uh, look, he, he, he votes Republican, obviously. And he's a, he's a guy who has done well in business and, and has some money and probably has some Republican views about how much he, he'd like to keep his money. And that's, you know, and that's probably what, where the endorsement come from. I, I don't, I don't think he's endorsing, racism and all the other things we talked about Donald Trump about. I think he's endorsing him as a candidate and I think you need to separate the two. If you if you would listen to Michael Jackson music, do you do you say that you support anything that Michael Jackson did in his personal life? No, you can separate the two. It's it's not uh, it's just I just think it's sort of reckless to to do that. And but that's in the climate we're in and that's part of the reason why we're in the problems that we are mm -hmm. is that people seem to have this opinion, it's only their opinion. And my sister vote, voted uh, Donald Trump. And I, I'm fairly certain my sister's a great human being. So I don't- That's my brother. Think, you know, He's still my but, dorky yeah. brother, even though he <laughs> like, but we can talk about politics and not like, doesn't right. have to tear your family apart. Right, and it doesn't judge your character over it. Yeah. So it's, right. uh, like, yeah, so. So anyway, so uh, I still love Bobby Orr and he's still a great yeah. person. Yeah, and, you know, number four, can, buddy. Number yeah. four is still the greatest <laughs> keep, here. Keep rocking who you believe in as a human being. Absolutely. Um, all right. It's on to the next item, and it's AHL start date, which looks like to be right around in beginning of February. Um, so this is sort of an indication of, you know, one thing about minor league hockey, and we have the Maine Mariners up here in Maine, ECHL team, and they look to be starting hopefully in mid-January. Um, and there are some ECHL teams who already said they won't play. One thing about minor league hockey, it's not like the NHL where they can – just rely on other streams of revenue and get through a bubble situation or something or can't, you know, or get through a situation where there's no fans. You need fans in minor league games. And if you can't have them in there, it really makes no sense to have the season. So I'm not surprised. And I, frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't have a season at all. So I just wanted to see Mark, you're, you're a minor league hockey guy and you care deeply about it. I want to see your thoughts on that. Well, 
this is just another kick in the nuts of 2020 for for a lot of hockey fans, especially minor pro uh, at the minor pro levels. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I was uh, really excited to have the uh, minor pro season come back on my birthday, December fourth, and no, it didn't work out. So um, I think what what's happening with the the minor pro systems is they're the leagues. I mean, is they're following the lead of the NHL. So um, the East Coast League uh, is possibly coming back in mid January. I'm hearing as far as February. That's a that's along with the AHL. So tentatively, the date has been moved back for the AHL to fe- uh, February fifth. So I kind of think that the East Coast League will do the same thing as well. Um, Atlanta has opt out, so technically, and they didn't uh, get another agreement with the Bruins on um, a double A AA minor pro affiliation. So. Um, if there's anybody that's going to be playing in the East Coast League, you could probably see several players being loaned out to um, other teams. And uh, that'll give another year for possibly a closer New England uh, community to get an East Coast team uh, affiliated with the Bruins. I think that would be great. Manchester, New Hampshire has, is an option. Um, if the I think the Rangers system own the Maine Mariners, so... Uh, they can they could possibly go there if there's an agreement. Um, um, Lowell's an option, but you have to go with the the uh, the NCAA club in Lowell to uh, get that weekend time. But um, who knows? Hopefully, I, I just want to see it come back. But it just seems like everything's a, a it's a it it goes from day to day to week to week around here in the hockey community and and this virus which is um is spiking numbers huge in 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 uh, North America so it's just continuing to uh to be a kick of the nuts and I can't wait for 2020 to be over it is November 1st so we got solid 2 months to go of this crap and then hopefully hopefully some kind of reality are you going to miss uh minor league hockey or or uh, what are your thoughts on it well, I mean, I'm not obsessively watching minor league hockey like my counterpart up there in the corner, but uh, it's called driven. It's not. It's not a. It's not a problem. <laughs> I, I don't have all the time. <laughs> if I did, passionate. I just try to cram in as many like hockey East games as I can get when they're on on the weekend. But we'll get to Nesson later or whatever. But um, I uh, the thing for me is that developmentally, like, there's a lot more hockey players in the AHL and the ECHL and even like the OH or whatever that are being like for one reason like Matt said financially because the NHL hopefully can kind of just teeter along until they can stable out but the developmentally and just economically it sucks that these leagues are being pushed back because that means they're not even planning like I mean, hopefully by the beginning of January, everyone in some capacity, whether that's the big clubs open their training facilities and the AHL guys and some of the ECHL guys that, you know, are more likely to play up towards the higher leagues, get in there and they can all kind of use the space together or whatever, work together. And that might even be better for an NHL training camp going into it. People are warmed up longer. You can really see more what everyone looks like together. Like not like the last time where everyone looked like a hot damn mess, but you had to bring it to Toronto anyways, you know, like what can you do? That's kind of what concerns me is for all those players who aren't the top tier professionals in the North American leagues yet, you know, and where do they go? Especially with like, 
I mean, I don't know what's going on in Canada, but the NCAA season, they're trying to proceed with it here in, in America, you know, the United States, but we don't really know. So I also just think like, what can you do? Like, so it is what it is. It's going to figure it out. Like I said, open up the bigger facilities and maybe let people timeshare. Like we kind of talked about a little bit last week or whatever, last month. That's just my thing is I'm more concerned about economically. Can the ECHL and some of those AHL teams survive it? And also developmentally for the players. Sorry. I know I I know the East Coast League, they're going to do two separate sessions. They're going to have one session open up in the in January and they're going to have another session open up later on. So they're splitting it up right there. But the NHL I'm hearing and this is per Elliot Friedman, I believe on the 31 Thoughts podcast is that there's an idea if they're going to have regions where uh, the Bruins are going to play a certain amount of teams and that would obviously be in the Northeast area. The Islanders, the Rangers, uh, blah blah blah. You're going to see a lot of these Metro teams coming into the into the uh, Northeast just for a season. And the idea uh, Elliot mentioned was to have their affiliate programs travel along with them. So wherever they go up in the Northeast, the the minor pros uh, or, or at least the AHL club, that's it, will play either before or after that game. So. Everybody's skating and so on. You're getting your reps. You're working together and so on. But you're also moving. You move. It's a it's a movable bubble, like I, I would say. You know, so um, that could work to keep the AHL going along with the NHL. But it still doesn't do much. Uh, that that could be a year that the AHL does not make a dollar. You know, you can't if you can't put asses in the seats. These guys aren't making money, and and that's exactly why the East Coast Hockey League uh, team, the Atlanta Gladiators, opted out this season because in Georgia, the state of Georgia has a twenty five percent capacity on any building, so and they said it's not good business for us to open up at twenty five percent because when you know our our overhead costs are are, are, are shooting over ticket sales, so what, what's the purpose of of continuing the business? Right. Well, that's true. And I think it, Atlantic Gladiators, one of the problems is they're not a football team. Because in Georgia, if they were football, they'd play uh, all sorts of games and have all sorts of people there. So, that. uh, but that's another, you know, <laughs> that's another thing. But um, I do think that it may be some part of the reason why the Bruins went with the, the reaches they did in the draft. Because maybe they couldn't put these players anywhere. And maybe they went with a, players develop a little bit down the road so that they had a place to play. They could play college hockey or what have you. And, uh, and maybe they, and I know it's probably financial as well. So this climate, this pandemic has really uh, put a strain on all of the NHL, but on all the minor league teams as well. It'll be interesting to see if some of them are going to be able to survive going forward. So um, that usually is the first thing to go when a team, an NHL team is, is struggling is, is people and, and teams in the minor league level. So hopefully we can turn it around and maybe push it off a little bit, get through flu season and get a vaccine and get back to normal. Yes, please. Uh, next item on the list is Yuna uh, Kapanen is loaned to Liga Club in the Eves Finnish League. I hope I had all that right. Uh, but Una Kopanen is a, is a guy, and there's been actually a few guys, uh, Kopanen, Oscar Steen, I've seen, uh, saw some really good video of uh, of Mason Lowry, so I've I've been seeing some people. Peter Solarik is another one, uh, your friend Mark, uh, <laughs> who uh, who uh, who have actually been playing pretty well 
in different leagues. And um, we can start with Mark because uh, I, I just want to get your – you don't really hear much. I don't really hear much about Copenhagen, so I just want to get your thoughts on this move. Well, I, I wrote an article last week when I was on vacation with my uh, with the doggies um, about the success that some uh, players are having over in overseas on loans, and and one of them particularly has a contract uh, over there, and that is uh, Peter Solarik. But um, yeah, no, Yuna's Yuna's an interesting person. I I don't remember when he was drafted. I think it was two thousand thirteen. Um, I could be wrong, but. He's been in the system for a while, played over in Europe before he signed uh, entry level, came over to Providence, and I I didn't see much going on with him, a, a, a steady decline, but when he got sent down to Atlanta and played five games down there, was a point-per-game player pretty much, uh, you could see that he was working hard to get back at the AHL level. And it wasn't because he was playing so bad at the AHL level, it was because he was a fourth-liner and they were they were going through so many um, fourth liners. So it, it, at the AHL level, you have a higher roster count than twenty three at the NHL. So playing time, he was getting phased out because people were earning more time than him. Goes down to Atlanta, changes his attitude, works hard, gets a recall, scores a goal in his first game with Providence. And then from that season, I mean, he wasn't a goal scorer. He wasn't a sniper or anybody that's going to be on the score sheet all the time. But he was doing fourth-line, third-line things to keep him at the level in Providence. And Jay Leach constantly, constantly tells me uh, when, when I was interviewing him last season, it, it, it's about um, how many impacts you can make in a game. It's not how many goals or assists or points you get. It's if, if you're making an impact at a certain part of the game, that is good development right there. So, I mean, he's a big kid. He's mm. good in the corners. He's good along the boards. He has some offensive capabilities. Um, I don't have a projection of him of making the NHL, but he's just a kid that's working hard in the minor pro system. And, and often I think that a lot of people oversee that level. It, it's really sad that this, this, this level of hockey does not get more exposure. And, and TV time is huge. This is why... The NHL is moving forward with these ideas that's going through this COVID pandemic because TV's um, generated revenue is is huge. This is going to be huge for them, this league. You can't do that in the AHL because no, I don't know how many, I mean, I do it because I'm a psycho, but you know, I watch a ton of freaking minor pro hockey and I pay for it, but I don't see a ton of people spending you know, $75 to $100 on a streaming service just to watch AHL HL hockey, so I wish they would because it, it's it, it's a league and it's a developmental system that you really should be paying attention to. Both. Get to know the next ones today. Sure, and he was a fifth round pick in the 2016 draft. 65. You're right, two, uh, six, five, uh, 200. That's actually the same draft that had Charlie McAvoy, Trent Frederick, and Oscar Steen. So that could end up being a, a fairly decent draft uh, for the Bruins and. He was 135th pick overall, so some guys just develop later. He's still only 22, so maybe he can at least be an asset you can maybe add to a, and the, a, a grade down the road or something. One more thing. The good thing about him, it was a Kovey team in the Mestis League, and mm-hmm. that is a lower league, and he was okay. tearing it up there. So now he went up to the Liga League in Ives, mm-hmm. and now he's playing at, at, at the top 
the top pro level of of that country. So good on him. I mean, he's playing playing well, and hopefully he keeps it up. And and all these guys that are over there on loan are gonna come back when when NHL training camp happens. Like Lauko, right. he's not doing so good, but these guys right. are all gonna come back, and then they're gonna go from there. Uh, Heather, can I borrow your password for the streaming service for AHL hockey? Or you, <laughs> yeah, you do I'll that? send that to you in a private DM. I don't want Mark to know because then he'll try to get rid of his and use ours. No, that's what I was going to say about uh, this player is that he went over and he actually, at the Super Elite League in Finland's not, you know, that's nothing to scruff at. So it's good that these, like we talked about, people in the system, like it's good that especially these, that 22 24 like that's the crucial age that they they have a place to play and he's playing at a high level and he looks good and maybe sometimes you know just it's a reset you know go home for a little bit do your thing prove yourself to yourself all right you're right i still got it okay i got it at home now when things get back to normal let me prove that i can do it here too you know so right. especially he is that young see i thought he was drafted earlier than that too i, I yeah, thought he was too, older like, than he is yeah. i, do I don't do know research. I don't know who I was thinking about 2013. I wrote an article about it and oh. We won't hold it against you on this Sunday. Or was it Solaric that was 13? Solaric was 13. Ah, yeah. That's it. You stop yeah. talking about Peter Solaric. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll touch on him real quick. Even mm-hmm. the league that he's playing in is not like the, the extreme highest in the world. So it's, it's no brainer really that he's being offensive in a lower league than the AHL. People are freaking out. Like, why did you sign Carson Kuhlman when you could have signed this guy? Look what he's doing over there. But right. that whole game might not translate on the biggest sheet of ice, which is generating more offensive chances, to a smaller rink, which is a very defensive mining game. I don't get it. But people are just continuing to argue with me all the time about uh, Don Sweeney signings, and he's such an idiot. But it's just right. you can't compare the leagues. It's absolutely ridiculous. Right. You're crazy I, to I think. Really, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I was gonna say you're crazy that you signed somebody who's played uh, more than ten NHL games 40. and actually done Let's give something him credit. in he the did time four, he's been. forty games. Forty games. Sorry, Matt. Uh, yeah, the, another guy I, I'm intrigued by is Victor Berglund. Playing Modo, uh, Swedish junior. He, he there's been some real good rave reviews about him, and he was a seventh round pick. He's a defenseman, and I've seen some really good clips of him and some some really positive. So I mean, you know, maybe there's some people in the in the that 2018 draft though is looking like a stinker. You mentioned Loco, Axel Anderson's already gone, was sent uh, as part of the Kasha trade, and then there's nothing else really. So that that's uh, that's another stinker, and then of course you have 2017 was Berglund, Swayman and Studnika and Bakaninen, and the jury's still out on on that draft. So again, you know, hopefully the, this draft here, which seemed to be a reach and and has a lot of skepticism, boy, I hope that uh, Don Sweeney knows what he's doing when it comes to drafting because after this core goes, you're really going to need to fill those spots with some homegrown kids, and and I'm not sure. There's, you know, I'm hopeful that there's some out there for them to do that. But. Touch on touch on Bergling real quick. Um, he signed an entry level deal before uh, all this happened, uh, the Coronaville, and uh, was set to play in the AHL. So he was mm-hmm. ready to come over. And that defense that is on paper right now for the Providence Bruins is set to be really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Wolf, um, um, Jack Ashan, mm-hmm. Yerho. Berglund, 
I mean, you can go on and on. There's like eight players that are solid. They're going to work really hard under a Jay Leach system down there. So I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah, Berglund's been playing good. He's got a good shot, good speed. I mean, but that's that open ice, too. I want to see that full time on a, on a 200 by 85 sheet and see how that translates when everything's coming at you a lot faster. Right, and the Bruins, the Bruins have done a good job. You mentioned Jay Leach of developing defensemen. And if you look at their defensemen, they've really come through with some really good defensemen in the pipeline, quite a few, really. And, of course, Clifton and Lozon and Zaboral are three that, and Vakanainen are four that, you know, you'd like to see if they if they become serviceable NHL players, then you've, you've had a really good pipeline of homegrown defensemen. And uh, it seems to be a real strength of the organization as a whole, because a lot of times we talk about drafting and we don't talk about player development because that's a piece of it too. Like if you draft a player and he doesn't work out, okay. Was it that he was misdrafted or that you, your scouting wasn't very good or that you didn't develop him? So there's a, always goes back to character. Yeah, it, it does. It does. And it goes back to drive and motivation and a lot of different things and tangibles that sometimes you can't pick up on when you're drafting someone. So um, next item on the agenda is, you know, the Bruins have always been very giving in the community and the players continue a tradition of visiting Children's Hospital on Halloween. There was some really good, uh, you know, some photos out there of, of the players. Uh, I know they do a lot on Christmas, too. And, uh, of course, led by their, you know, Patrice Bergeron had a great, that was the Elmo. That was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. And um, Heather, we'll start with you. It's really nice to see. And the Bruins have always been really good about, in the Celtics, I mean, they, all of our Red Sox patriots have all been excellent in the community. And it just leads to a very nice feeling about the organization as a whole. Yeah, I think these things are very important to the athletes too and you know last and they i always love how they have their theme like last year it was toy story whatever this year it was sesame street but honestly i can see how happy it must have made these kids because you know how happy i was when it was like in tuka raska's oscar the grudge (laughs) (laughs) and i couldn't stop laughing and it is just nice because it is important and like especially kids that have maybe been in long-term care or happen to you know every year they you know they've lived their childhoods coming in and out of the hospitals and stuff. And, you know, they look forward to it. They look forward to like a little bit of normalcy. And, and especially this year, it's been abnormal for everyone. I can't imagine, you know, with probably having more limited visitation and stuff and the kids, it must've, it's probably kind of fun too, to see everyone on a zoom. That way everyone could see all the, you know, guys and they could see all the kids. And it's kind of, kind of fun, you know, instead of doing school zoom, they're doing, visiting the Bruins but um who was dressed up as like abracadabby who was that Anders Bjork or something I, I don't know it was hilarious like they they just they did a good just he is for cooking good enough for me <laughs> that was Carlo right yeah yeah back to you Elmo <laughs> yeah El- Elmo as uh, Patrice Bergeron in the Elmo soup was just uh, that was funny uh yeah. and you know good on them that's just that's just that's just great character right there. I mean, you got a core of people on this Boston Bruins organization that just care about uh, life off the ice as much as they do on the ice. And it just really shows that in the faces of these kids that see that stuff and that, and that need that, that, that smile at a certain time of their lives that they're, you know, life's just not treating them very well. So um, hats off to the organization for continuing to do stuff like this uh, and using the technology to make it happen. 
I think that's the biggest important uh, thing moving forward is is um, they're using every angle available to get to these kids. So, um, absolutely. Yep. Uh, I, I I did. I mean, Bergeron and Elmo. That was great. It was just. Yeah. And then the videos after that coming out. Uh, it was. I can't. I think Hannah. Hannah posted a, a video, and um, and I was just like, well, Patrice Bergeron looks like he's ready for for uh, training camp because he's just <laughs> dancing around, bouncing around. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it is, it is great. And, um, you know, they hockey players as a whole, as we've said for years, is that they they're, seem to be a little bit more humble, a little bit more down-to-earth people. And, you know, you always say sort of, well, he's a hockey player. They, they always sort of have uh, – you know, a kindness and compassion to, you know, to most of them for the most part. And um, it's so it shows here with the off off the ice community things that the Bruins players are willing to do and and make uh, the holidays a little bit more tolerable for families and, and kids in the community. Um, next uh, item on the agenda, Mike Hoffman. Uh, just sort of was the last man left, left standing, so to speak, and free agent of the big free agent signings. And he's so, sort of planning to take his time in free agency per his agent. You know, the Bruins, I guess, has sort of still been in the mix there. There's still Jake DeBrusque hanging out there, even though there have been some comparables who have signed for lesser than Jake has said to want. So I don't know. Uh, Heather, we'll start with you with Mike Hoffman and whether or not you'd like the Bruins to and they'd have to make some moves. They'd have to be a little bit creative, I think, to add him on, and they'd have to invest a little bit in him. Is that someone worth the investment for them? Um, I keep hearing that Hoffman might be looking for something long-term, and I don't think we're in a situation. I mean, he's a nice player and all, but I feel like we – I might, we, I might've said this before. I just, he's a good player, but I feel like there's still people out there. You can pay less to do his job. And especially if we're not trying to, you know, the general consensus is nobody's trying to spend to the cap because no one knows what the hell's going to happen. Right. And if you're trying to have that cushion room, I just feel like he's a little bit too expensive, even for what we can do. I mean, the Bruins are pretty much done and I would hope we could maybe get a Mike Hoffman, but I just don't see it being feasible. I, I feel like it's, it's not necessarily worth rearranging things, you know, seeing what you can do here and there for Mike Hoffman. It's not, he's not splashy enough to need to, it, it's better. I think we start settling in and maybe go out and get someone a little bit cheaper. And if someone who wants to get paid like two, five for three years, that's a different situation to talk for, you know, a little bit of an extension, maybe someone up and rising. I don't know. That's just me. I like Mike Hoffman as a player though, but I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah, Mark, we've talked about Mike Hoffman before. Obviously, the off the off the ice stuff with his with his wife or uh, and that sort of thing. But you know, he sort of had a seemed to have a much better reputation in Florida. He's, he is a guy who can score goals and probably one of the best goal scorers in the market uh, after Taylor Hall was gone. So, but I I don't love Mike Hoffman, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on on that. Yeah, the guy puts the puck on the net consecutively. Thirty goal seasons. Um... You know, nothing to scoff at. But what what his agent uh, threw out there was that he's just you know he's look he's looking at a short term one year deal. That's what I'm hearing anyway, and um, that he can uh, wait it out. He's in no rush to to sign anywhere. This is probably him and agent doing due diligence and and you know I mean the market's so thin right now with forwards that are like that. Thirty goal scorers and just not on the board anymore. 
Um, and I'm not sure if you can expect any of those guys that have come in to, to put up those numbers because they haven't done it consecutively. So, um, you know, it's really going to all depend on uh, how they do, how the Bruins work um, with Jake DeBrus from now until uh, training camp starts and when people are going to start signing uh, contracts. So um, if they can't get DeBrus done, do they make a, a serious pitch for him? Because they do hack, technically have the cap space. But there's no wiggle room at all after that if you go after Mike Hoffman. So mm-hmm. that's something I'm a little scared at when it comes to trade deadline, whenever, air quotes, that's going to be uh, next season. Because um, if you're going to... If you're going to play so well, uh, but you're still in like the third place, second place in the Atlantic or whatever, whatever division is going to happen next season. And but you need that extra little piece. You really got to have that that cap space to come back, because if you go out and get Hoffman or, or a player like Hoffman, let's just say at the trade deadline and you don't have that much funds, you have to internally make make moves and, and you're probably going to see a younger player or two or three off the roster to make room for one in in a cap world and in a flat cap world. And it's just, the trickle-down effect, in my opinion, at that point of the year is just, it's not worth it. I mean, if you're going to go for somebody, I would have gotten them a little sooner to the, um, you know, free agent date when it, when, it, when it officially kicked off, like everybody else did. Everybody else in the Atlantic Division pretty much loaded up, so, and we just sat back and kind of cruised right through, you know, so... Doing the old Route 66 with a fatty in your mouth. <laughs> you know, I think I think it's I think that the Bruins, like you said, would be up against the cap. I like to have a little bit of room there as well. I really think they're they're done. I think they're they're waking up waiting on two guys, and that's DeBrusque and Chara. DeBrusque is going to have to come back down to earth and and just accept the fact that he's probably a three million dollar player right now because there are guys like Garyanov and uh, Vertanen who made, you know, 2.5 or something. Uh, And those guys are sort of in the same, certainly Gurionov is in the same, you know, sort of category as a, as a DeBrusque. So he's not going to get the 5 million. He thought he may not even get the 4 million. He, he would like as well. So that's going to be, he's going to have to wait and see. I I think if I was Jake DeBrusque, I'd take a, I'd take a two year deal right now because not only this year, but next year, it's going to be another flat cap with another, lost revenue at some point, uh, you know, in some regard, lost revenue season. So I think I'd, I'd take a two-year deal and then two years from now become a free agent where maybe the, the, the money's there for several teams to bargain for you. But um, I, I think that Mike Hoffman is going to end up with a one-year deal somewhere on a team that has more space. It's funny that Ottawa has some of the most space, and they would never touch Mike Hoffman again. I think with a ten foot pole, but I uh, I still think that he's uh, doing this one year deal to be competitive in next year's free agency with Taylor Hall. With Taylor Hall, right? Yeah, right. And I think Hall and, and him are both in the same. Another thing with with the Bruins having like almost seven million in space, I'm really surprised that defenseman and he could play both sides. Defenseman, very versatile. Sammy Vatanen at 4.8 has not been done yet. That's right. another strange one. So I don't know what's going on with him. Do you take a chance on bringing the one-eyed Swede bag, Carl Soderberg, at 4.7? <laughs> he'll probably he'll probably take less money. Who knows? But uh, and then you got Carl Alzner who's still there, and I don't want him on the on this lineup. Can you imagine yeah. Chara, Miller, and Alzner? It's like our defense would be a joke. Yeah, I know. It, that's a little slow and old for me. Uh, I think that 
you have to just say to yourself, say to yourself, are we really getting better by adding Carl Alsner or are we going to give, you know, Lozon and Zaborl and Clifton and these guys a real chance. And I think with the, with a little bit more upside and some youth, um, I think you just go with the younger guys and see what you have, especially in the beginning of the year where there's some, you know, I mean, you're still a good hockey team, you're still going to win games. And I think that you have some, some room here to see what you have, but I, I don't, uh, I just think that at this point, making moves just to make moves won't make a whole lot of sense. You also have Kevin Miller in the mix that you added. So now you're, you're looking at a bunch of just guys who are slow and, and I don't, I don't think that's the way you want to go. I don't think I don't think it lines up with the way Bruce Cassidy likes to play either. So uh, I think you have to be very careful with any add-ons right now. If they're not really improving the team, then you're just spending money to spend money. Uh, I'm not, I'm not on board. Um, next item on the docket is is Nesson and YouTube TV have had some uh, some issues, and YouTube TV has actually ended their agreement with Nesson, no longer carrying Nesson. So they walk away from making a deal and Bruins fans streaming who have like me, who have canceled cable a while back and have been thinking about which service I could use to have Nesson. Cause that's the one thing that actually made me wait so long to, to get rid of cable was the fact that I couldn't miss Bruins hockey. Like if, if, if I didn't like sports, I would have canceled cable 30 years ago, I think. I don't, I just, it, but it's, uh, so now I don't know. It's sort of left people scrambling. YouTube TV has probably taken 95% of the Boston market and just is seeing memberships just decline steadily. And sometimes these things work themselves out and miraculously. Oh, yeah. You have, you know, it's a threat, you know, and that type, type of thing. And then they come and see this all the time in cable. So, but I don't know. Nesson seemed to throw out that YouTube TV wasn't ready. So, I don't know, Mark, what do you think about uh, YouTube TV and alienating half of Boston? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it was a weird one yesterday or the day before when I got the uh, alert that, you know, effective at the end of October. There was Nesson and YouTube TV were not going to be working together. They could not come to a deal. I'm hearing that Nesson was um, adamant on them not rising, raising the prices because... YouTube TV is uh, gaining more channels, and they're asking for more money. When mm. we when we first got it, it was forty dollars, and now it's uh, I think over sixty. So, mm. and that's that's within a two year window, I believe. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I, I want Nesson. I got to have my Nesson. I'm not sure how I'm going to figure out how to watch these games. I do have the NHL streaming service, but I did notice that when I'm, I have like multiple TVs in the studio, I tried one night to put it on that uh, NHL streaming service, and, and actually the Bruins game was blacked out. So I, <laughs> I really hope that that doesn't happen um, in, the, uh, in, the, in the Boston market because I'd be extremely pissed off if I can't watch any of the Bruins. And I'm... I don't know if I want to add another service just to get Ness and 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 because that just adds more money. I mean, the reason why I cut cable is because the fact is that I was paying two hundred and seventy three dollars a month, and it, we weren't getting a ton of channels. We, I, you know, I had the NHL Network and I had Ness, and that's basically what I was watching. But then we cut the cable, and it was a hundred and eight dollars just for the the internet, and we right. bought. We bought our Apple TVs for like uh, you know one hundred and thirty dollars a piece, so we we sa- we've been saving a ton of money. 
But this mm. this news, it just sucks because now you got to go to another service. You got to add another fifteen dollars a month that you've already done for like several other freaking uh, outlets. So yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's a real inconvenient. But hopefully, like like Matt, like what you said is that this could be a tactic. They could be seeing numbers dropping and they're going to be pushing their corner when they have to go to Nest and say, okay, let's lock in a price and see if we can make a deal. So, right. and hopefully and, that happens. Heather, what do you think about uh, YouTube? Do you have cable? What do you think about YouTube TV? Um, I just happen to always conveniently work when the Bruins are on. That's what I do. And that's okay. how I watch them. But um, I do know that like when playoffs happen, I got that, um, you know, like my, like the NHL app or whatever, and you can right. watch it. But yeah. when the, when it's a Boston one, I got blocked out every right. Boston game, whether Nesson was airing it or NHL was airing it. Right. I didn't get to watch it after that right. first week. So that annoyed me. What I think is stupid is at this point, why does cable still insist on doing cable the way it does it? You pay $200 for 500 channels that you only want 20 of. Why can't the YouTube people or whatever, Comcast, whoever, well, Xfinity, whatever, fucking charge $50 for a base fee? You get PBS, ABC, you know, all the basic ones like that, up through CNN or whatever it is, the news channels. And then just let everyone pay two freaking, because if I'm going to pay $200, I want to pay $2 for the channel I want. I don't want to pay $200. No offense, I don't speak Portuguese, okay? I don't mind having the Spanish channels or something I actually could maybe watch and kind of see if I knew what was going on. But I don't need, like, the East korean channel like who needs that mm. i don't need 42 music channels mm. i have apple music and a shit ton of cds if mm. i really wanted to they're just going to turn it off so nobody wants to watch anything right so like you at some point that these providers or youtube channel people or whatever are going to create a situation where people are like you know what f it i don't even care it's not worth my 45 dollars to watch, you know, like NHL, whatever, on ice package, right? You can only watch so many, even Mark can only watch so many games at a time, right? And nine. if your team's always locked out or whatever, like why the frig? Yeah, but you're not going to watch nine NHL games. You're going to have nine games total. So you're going to have like whatever Providence over here and BU's over here. And like, you yeah. know, so that's what I, at some point someone's going to go, you know what? Never mind. I'll just pay to watch the $25 or whatever for Twitch to watch the NWHL, like, you know what I mean? It's just as good a hockey and I don't have to be beholden to the man. You know, I don't, you just think that communication companies would change it up. Yeah, I think, I think that, I think the, uh, the a la carte thing is something I've been screaming for, for a while, but obviously they don't do it because there's about 200 channels that would crash and burn and die because they need that agreement with cable companies. But if they would ever just come to a point where they said, you know what, let's just go a la carte, like you said, two bucks a channel. And I would watch the same 14 channels I watch now and I'd pay $28 and, and then I'd add the local for whatever whether they, they want to offer that for 25 bucks a month or whatever. And that's a much better deal. But I don't think I don't see that happening until cable companies really see that they can't continue to go on with so many people jumping ship. I mean, just during the pandemic. Netflix just they increase so much that they've actually uh, increased the the cost because they've they've seen so many memberships go up because people are home watching whatever on TV. Uh, so I don't I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens down the road. I think this is going to be something where a week or two from now, maybe even a little bit later, because maybe YouTube waits 
a while before, you know, when the NHL hits up again and right around January, there's this miraculous agreement and they're back on because I don't think they can take a whole market like Boston and really, and really threaten to lose all those people. I really don't think they can. Um, next item on the agenda with veteran Bruins players going through offseason surgeries, which you, you, which younger players are going to need to have to step up and, uh, and fill that gap in the first couple of months without Brad Marchand potentially, and for even longer, David Pasternak. What do you think, Heather? I think that what's going to happen is what always happens. That same bubble group of kids we've been waiting for them to come up and slot up, right, are going to have their chance to earn their slot. Only this time, some of them are going to get a chance to stay in the third and fourth line, you know, after when they come in, they're going to fight for their spot. Like just like Coleman did a couple of years ago, right? And he came up in the playoffs, but then in training camp, he showed, you know what, actually of what we have, like you're, you're showing your spot right now. Um, I don't know specifically, this is obviously more Mark's uh, thing. Um, but you know, like the Stadnika, but it's hard because you don't know if like Stadnika is going to make the actual team. So you don't really have him to draw from maybe those kids that can come in and fill in. You can get their luck. Like traditionally we have when there's an injured player. Right. So I guess this is more Mark's cup of tea, but I would, I just generally think it's going to be those same five players that we keep going. Is this the year? Is this the year? Is this the year? Um, minus the defenseman. Cause obviously it's going to have to be the year for some of them unless we go and do something. Like I said, that, and then I'm kind of surprised. I know that's too heavy on the right, but whatever. Okay, go ahead, Mark, because this is your thing. You run it. I, I think it's going to be the same people we always talk about. Yeah, it basically is. I mean, I, I, I do want to see Frederick get more involved. Um, I do want to see uh, Stanika, um with the upshift on the right side. So uh, Smith, the Smith edition and Kasha uh, remains to be seen what's going on with Kasha. Um, I mean, at this point, I just ship him. I I trade him honestly to free up a spot for a younger player on the right side. Sinitian, you know, even a third line Sinitian would be good. He's another player that's going to be interesting. I mean, there's a lot of players that are going to come up here, like uh, you know, and 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 try to get that roster spot. But there's a few of them that are going to try to get that roster spot and not be successful and and be uh, exposed to the waiver process. So it's a really tough situation to to really gauge, um, but, you know, they're going to have, uh, and that's the weird thing about it is, is these kids are going to, like Sinitian and, and Zaboro, for instance, okay? They're going to come in there, they're going to try their best to get a job. If they don't do it, they're going to lose. So even if Sinitian gets a third uh, right wing spot for how long? How long are these guys going to be out? When they come back, if there's no room for him, he has to go down, you just, you, you lost a, in my opinion, a decent prospect that still that still has something to show. In my opinion, so yeah, I, I think you're going to see in the beginning of the season. You're going to see Craig Smith probably up on the top line with with Bjork maybe on the left, and you're going to see Kasha with Krejci and maybe Studnika, and then you're going to probably see Corrali up on a third line with Coyle uh, and whoever, and then the fourth line will be Frederick Wagner and somebody on there, and I think you'll probably see them. You know, just sort of finagling those lines that way. Because Smith can come up for a month or so and play on one of the top six lines. Bjork has, has played in that scenario a few times here and there. It's going to be a little bit of a struggle. I mean, it's going to be a struggle to score some goals, <coughs> excuse me, without Marchand and, and Pasternak. So I don't, uh, so it's not going to be uh, the best case scenario for sure. <clears throat> 
But um, yeah, we'll see what happens from there. All right. Uh, we're, we're right about at the one one hour mark. Yeah. Why don't we take a break and uh, hear from the great folks at the store next door, uh, a Yarmouth-based uh, company up in Canada, doing great things for awesome people. Please go to the thestorenextdoor.ca and check them out. They do deliver for Christmas. It is the holiday season, so um, help them out. They're awesome people. So we'll be right back. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. And we're back. We just heard from the great folks at the store next door. Please check them out. Check out their website, thestorenextdoor.ca. Awesome stuff with uh, recycled hockey sticks, unbelievable furniture, and other things. So go check them out. Next item on the agenda is why is everyone such a crybaby <laughs> over the possibility of no body checking in the OHL next year? There's been talk on social media and an uproar really about uh, Neanderthal hockey fans who think that uh, throwing your body around is still a big part of the game these days. I, I think it definitely changes the game of hockey, obviously. I mean, and the biggest thing it changes really is sort of the, the it, it evens the playing field is more of a pond hockey type of feel and more about skill and speed and not wearing teams down. So if you have a team that has some skill and some speed and a team that may be a little heavier and not as quick or fast, you may not be able to, to compete as hard or well because you can't wear teams down and that type of thing, wear down defensemen. So it does change a little bit of that dynamic, but I wanted to get your thoughts, Heather, on, on uh, no body checking potentially in hockey and what that does to the game as a fan. All right, so I put this in there because... I am someone who likes Neanderthal hockey. I also don't think, even though it'll be different, like some people write, like, this isn't even going to be hockey. Really? Because the women never have body checking and they have a quick, skilled, really awesome skill set, you know? So maybe for one year you have to maybe change the way you look at the game. That could be a good thing, right? Maybe you can learn how to check. You know, when you do use checking, maybe when you get back to it, you'll use it more sparingly, but more effectively because you'll realize other ways that you can help push. Like you can still push somebody off the puck without smashing them. Like, you know, I mean, I love a good hit, but this idea, like it's not going to be hockey. They'll never be the same again. They're going to get all these bad habits. If you get bad habits is because you're not training right and you're not doing it right. It's hard for me to think that your whole entire hockey training is going to be undone over one OHL season when nobody can body check. So everyone's playing differently. Do you know what I mean? Like I, 
that's just my thing is I think you're the idea that it's not going to be hockey if there's no just cancel this season. So isn't that counterproductive? Wouldn't you rather them at least out there doing all the other skills except for body checking? That's just me. That's why I think everyone's being a little like, oh my God, it's like, no, it's not actually watch a friggin' women's game and you'll see it actually can make it a lot more exciting at times when in a men's game, you're used to just a big hit. And I love that. Trust me. It gets me like, I love that, but stop it. It's still hockey. Okay. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Get over. Yeah. This is uh, for me, this is a, this is a, a weird one. It's, um, you know, coming from the, who is this? Is it, what's the name of cloud? Lisa McLeod or something like that. Yeah. It's like the health minister or something in yeah. Ontario. I don't know. I'm American. So, but, but it, <laughs> I mean, I don't have much to say about it cause I really don't know where it's all coming from. I didn't do my, my research on this one, but I will say that it, it, it will take a, uh, a huge kick in the nuts of development because if this is something that's going to be, if it's just this season, I, I get it and so on because of maybe COVID times and blah, blah, blah. But if it's going to continue on, it's going to uh, have a ripple effect on further leagues down the line. Um, and when you bring up players, you're going to lose a little bit of the aspect of the game like Matt was talking about. When one team's all finesse and, and offense and another team might be a little heavier, you don't, it's, not, it's going to be a mismatch. So I get that, but I also get the, you know, the public safety thing of it too. Um, but my thing is, is, is now, because I, I, I'm a prospect guy, and I talk about the NCAA a lot, and I hear a lot of my, my Canadian friends always calling you know, NCAA hockey uh, soft. So um, how is the shoe on the foot now when uh, your Canadian club, the Ontario Hockey League, is t- trying to take out hitting? So... A little f- a shot at the bow of my uh, my boys that uh, continue to say that college hockey is soft and American hockey is soft and blah 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 blah. Yeah, I I, I think that one of the hardest parts about the pandemic and this virus and in sports is that it be it be creates this inconsistency in rules and what what is allowed and what is not allowed. So you're telling me that rather than having a, a good body check, you you're still going to allow guys in the corner scraping for a puck breathing all over each other uh it doesn't really seem to make much sense i would think you would get it more likely by trying to dig out a puck in the corner with four guys than to go and hit a guy for a half a second and then move on uh up up the ice i I just think it doesn't i don't think that this is all that necessary uh when it comes to to body checking and that type of thing. You're in a face-off circle and you're both breathing on each other and waiting for the ref, for the official to drop the puck because they incessantly wait forever to drop pucks at the face-off dot. Then that's a, that's an easier way I would think to get some sort of virus if someone has one. But I think the biggest thing is the testing. I mean, if you continue to test and, you know, and, and continue to make sure that people are not playing with positive testing, then, I think that that would that certainly helps in knowing, you know, who, who may have it, who may not have it, and it takes out the unknown. But I think there's major inconsistency in in what. And again, it's it's hard. It's a it's an unprecedented thing, really. So it's hard for people to make decisions. And I think sometimes decisions are made just to cover people's asses, and and so that people don't say after the fact because people are all, always great at saying after the fact what you should have done when they don't have any thought beforehand. So that keyboard, keyboard, uh, what are those keyboard warriors or keyboard cowards? Yeah, those are my boys. Well, 
I was going to say too, just as someone who has a youth hockey kid that's currently been shut down for two weeks because, you know, whatever, clusters, this and that, there's always risk to everything, right? But reading just like what that woman, and again, I'm not from Ontario, so I don't, politically, maybe there's issues people have with this lady, which is what kind of caused like, now you're messing with hockey lady, you know, I don't know, okay? So that's for the Canadians to know. But if you look at, the responses from, uh, what's his name, Doug Ford from the OHL, or even Don Cherry had something out. I mean, I, we haven't talked about him for a while, but he's big and, you know, involved in that league. It's not, doesn't seem as if it was actually decided. It's like someone put out about there. She said about it, but said that there were still things in negotiation. And the OHL said, this is how it's going, possibly without it. And everyone acted like they were like, we're ruining the Ontario Hockey League. I agree with Mark about, you know, yeah, one year is one thing, but it's not, a, it does seem like whether asinine or not, because again, there is no right or wrong answers. No one knows what the hell, right? Like it's easy to go in retrospect or whatever. You don't know. But one year, it's just one year. Wouldn't you rather, isn't everybody just wants everybody on the ice, right? And I don't know if there isn't bigger things maybe in Ontario. Maybe they had to take body checking out of the lower leagues in high school. And they're trying to say, hey, it's not the NHL, man. It's the OHL, which is very important. But if the high school kids can't do it and the college kids can't do it, you know, like why should they get to do it? Even though I know they usually go OHL instead of college, whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, that's just me. Like maybe there are other things at play. And in the grand scheme, like we always talk about, it is a sport. <laughs> Keep it in perspective. And it, we are whatever level of what is really happening, not having, who knows it changes every day, right? COVID, co- Coronaville, as Mark likes to call it. Like, calm down. We're going to all get through it. But again, this goes back to like 20 years ago, we couldn't all just be like, this is the stupidest thing I've heard. Like, rah, rah, rah. Like, I just keep it in perspective. Okay. Like I live in a country where 200,000 people have died of a goddamn virus. Okay. So really the body checking in the OHL is kind of low on the scheme. And we always are so over, we're very reactory, like just North Americans. We're like, the sky is falling. When really in the end, the sky doesn't fall. It might be a little, you know, humid for a couple days, but everything evens out. Okay. So that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I agree. And in, in, in theory, back in 1990-whatever, it was social media was a great idea, but you have to trust people, and people can't be trusted. So that's... Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a fact. <laughs> that is a huge fact. I that found out fact. that... If we did the right thing, we wouldn't have prisons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, next item on the agenda, Brandon Carlo made some comments recently about players not being receptive to another bubble. And this is something I think that maybe not enough people are really thinking about is, you know, will the players actually play in a bubble type scenario again? And I keep going back to Zdeno Chara and I really believe it is Chara's decision right now not to sign because I really think it's hard to be 43, 44 years old and hang out in a bubble with 22, 23, 24 year olds for three months away from your family. And he's an active guy and, I just don't think it's a great uh, situation for everyone involved. I think the bubble was really emotionally draining for the players. And a lot of them have said that. So it would be interesting to see if the players would actually be receptive to any type of bubble situation that keeps them in a setting pretty much locked up for a month or so. So I don't know, Mark, if that's even a consideration or if the players will eventually be forced to do it. 
I'm I'm heavily believing that this is exactly why Jara is not signed or or even talking about it uh, mm-hmm. at this point until the NHL has a better idea of what it's going to do moving forward in those situations. And like you said, it's it's coming out now in a lot of interviews that the players weren't exactly um, you know thrilled about the bubble. It was something that was hurried. I get it, um, but th- I think the way they did it was good. Even though that uh, behind closed doors, it might not have been so good. But um, I think if 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 they have to do it, they'll it'll be much better than it was. This is like a it was trial and error over the summer. It really was, and uh, I think they'll be better prepared. But uh, from the folks that went to the Toronto, they were saying that it was really cool. But once they moved everything to Edmonton, it was just it was. There was nothing, nothing going on. You had to go everywhere to, to do stuff. So, well, in Toronto, all you had to do was walk across a, you know, a, a platform, and then all of a sudden you're in a soccer field and you're doing all kinds of stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, it, we'll see what happens. Um, and, and that's good on him. A lot of folks, a lot of folks, I just believe that they shoot from the hip. We talked about it earlier. You know, they're always like, like oh, they're treating Chara like shit because they're not giving him a contract. He signed Miller. You know, it's just a lot of reactionary crap, but they just don't understand that Z's agent and Chara himself, and even Don Sweeney mentioned in several of his of his uh, off season interviews that they're just taking the time. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 flat. You know, it's plain and simple. It's nothing to do with personal stuff like that and so on. But you know, the the, the words of uh, him being offered from other teams. He's a free agent, man. The guy can listen to a phone call if he wants, man. It's a job. It's his family he's got to look out for. So it's up to him, ultimately. Heather, do you think the players will be okay with a bubble again? Or do do you think there'll be – I, I would say there's no reason why there wouldn't be a bubble of some sort. But what are your thoughts on it? I said it this summer when they were doing the first bubbles and it kind of came up near the end, like, oh, maybe they'll just do this to start, try to get, this is when they were going to try and get the season started, like the first week of December, like, you know, give and go, get the time, get, the, you know. I think that it was one thing for this one-off to have two cities shut down a major part of their cities and hold these people up. I think for a long-term season, that'd be a little much. And I would lean more towards, I I don't know if it was last week or something, but I was saying that, you know, if they go with the regional thing, you can kind of put them in bubbles a little bit, but without actually bubbling them. You'll have enough time, you know, uh, like we said, besides like the AHL and NHL can maybe piggyback the seasons together, that if you maybe instead of shutting down the whole town, but maybe you rent out something as a team or, you know, you kind of isolate your team this time, you could maybe even have families join them, but if they still are traveling without fans, you can still kind of isolate them right now. There are planes that are going to be up for sale that you could buy because airlines are going out of business. And you have, just like they had the charters and this and that, you can set all that up so that you have them, even if you have to maybe quarantine them in their home base a little bit, right? But you don't have to trap them in the chain link fence because I think part of why mentally it was hard for the people is besides being away from your family or even just the like interaction with the other teams at first, they had them isolated from each other. You know what I mean? Right. The product ended up good, but the players, I think, 
it was a lot. It was too much. And then like when they got to Edmonton and they had been promised that they could have their families with them. And then suddenly because of the border, no, there should have, that should have been part of the special exemption already in there that the families can come and quarantine the two weeks before to be with, you know, or whatever the week before. So that little things I feel like they promised, but didn't execute. And maybe they did live and learn and they can do it. But the idea that you can put 32, well, 31 teams this year, but in a bubble, situation seems a little bit too much to ask any city or player to do. Yeah, yeah very true. I just think that the <clears throat> the bubble uh, situation is very difficult. We don't really, as, as sports fans, we we just ignore the human aspect of things a lot with these players. And you see in the NFL that without a bubble, you get you run into some, some really tough scenarios. And when you have to play a game every other night, uh, you can't, you don't have the luxury of playing a game once a week and moving this and changing a bye week and all that. It's NHL gets into a situation where they're not bubbling and they're getting cases. You're going to lose games and then it's going to be a scheduling nightmare. And so I, I think you're going to have some, some semblance of a bubble. And I'm just interested to see how the players will react to that. And if it would cause any situation with the NHLPA or, the owners and, and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see as we get closer to January or so. Um, next item on the agenda, retro alternate sweaters are being talked about by the NHL. I put this on the agenda because I have a real hard time with this foolish bear on the front of the jersey. I hate it. I hate the bear. I hate a cub. I hate a hibernating animal of any kind because real Bruins fans, when they think of the Bruins, they think of the spoke bee. They don't, some Bruins fans don't even know a Bruin is a bear. They're not that educated. <laughs> so, and I'm one of them. I, I went so long in my life that I didn't even realize a Bruin was a bear. And there's no other, there's no other, any type of talk about bears and, and, and the Boston Bruins ever, except for this foolish jersey. So I want an 80s style spoke to be the one that Cam Neely wore, the one that Rick Middleton wore, the one that Ray Bork wore. I want that for the alternate sweater. And I want everyone's voice to be heard, including mine. So what are your thoughts on the sweater, uh, Heather? We've been over this a million times. I hate the Pooh Bear. I hate the Pooh Bear. <laughs> I hate any jersey that's yellow, because I hate yellow. And it's just too much. That color yellow is too much. Um, I don't mind a bear on the shoulder. I'm only laughing when you said that about the bro. I remember being a little girl and like, yeah, they watched in the game with my grandfather. I was like, what even is a Bruin? <laughs> like, it's just a brown bear or whatever. He's like, they're like just bears native to New England. I was like, oh, okay. And I always knew that. And then I used to get confused when I realized they had bears in California too. Because when you're little, you don't really think of what's happening over there with, the, with their bat, whatever, football team. But I don't need bears. I don't mind the 1920s, like original, like Bruins. So I like that because I like classic crap like that. But no, no meth bear, no poo bear, no yellow jerseys. And for the love of God, the Dallas Stars, I still don't know what to do with that jersey. Oh, I don't know what terrible. to do with that jersey. Hideous. It's like awesome and sucky at the same time. I'm like, are they going to play under blacklight? Like that would be cool. Like, you know, like it will tape their wrists and put a glowing bug. But other than that, so no fluorescent yellow poo bears, please just don't do it. Mm. Spoke bee is good with me. Like, I, again, maybe it's my age, maybe it's your age, whatever. But like, to me, that's if we're going to go, I don't know. That's just me. Or like a classic 
like I have my throwback sweater with just a B. They kind of did that for the third jersey last year, like yeah, that yeah. kind of look. But bad. just a B. We just selection. Boston. Yeah. Yeah. B for Boston. B for Bruin. Move on with life. Mark. That Dallas one was terrible. Oh. You know, and and I'm not I'm not one that likes like futuristic movies or Star Wars or Star Trek or anything like that. I can't really stand any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But that. That jersey brought me back to like the early '80s. You remember Tron? Oh yeah. That movie was disturbing. Um, no, uh, a big hell no to the Pooh Bear. That guy looks like he's uh, trying to take a dump in the woods on mushrooms, uh, and not like at a hockey game where he should be rough and mean. So, uh, <laughs> um, I, in my opinion, and I, I know you guys are, or others are gonna get hammered by this. Oh, I'm gonna get hammered by this, but uh, my alternate jersey is the. Was it the Peaky Blinder year when they dressed as? Was it? Yeah, I don't know. We played like all, five of them. I went to I'm that just... game. Yeah, they had that black. It was the black with the Boston Bruins sort of emblem in the middle. With the I think there was a bear, but it was subtle, and it was. <laughs> uh, yeah, those are those are the alternates uh, that they wore. Actually, the the rest of that year, I think, too, on certain games. It just, it used to be there were like home and away jerseys and now every team has 14 jerseys and they're starting to get blurred in my old head because I, they, a lot of them look exactly the same, but like now these are thicker stripes. (laughs) I always thought that they should go back to uh, wearing white at home. Hmm. I used to love when they wore white at home and I don't like when they use the the dominant color at at home anymore. Those. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, those ones. Yeah, I like those ones. These are my like favorite them. ones. What? what yeah. Was that a Winter Classic one? Yeah, I'm not it sure. is a Winter is Classic one. that the Montreal one. Winter Classic ones? I think that was the Montreal Winter Classic. Yeah, oh, I was at that game, too. Yeah, it was, that was a well, I feel That bad. was the worst. Like, first of all, why would you have this random person singing the national anthem? You should always, always have the home teams. Like, if Montreal and Boston are playing, I want our person and their person one do the American like just that's what the the winter classic is a fan fest like they're like and this random person from American Idol who's not even a New Englander NHL has always been about trying to get non-fans to be fans of their sport true which is so stupid Carolina going to Atlanta going to Florida and they've tried and tried and tried and I'm sure they've gotten a few but in the grand scheme of things sometimes it takes away from your true fans and your true regions that really love hockey and instead of always consciously trying to get these outside regions and people, casual fans to be fans, why don't you just take care of your, your loyal fans and, uh, and continue to do that instead. And it, it's, that's a typical NHL move. Sometimes they make decisions that they think they're bigger than they are. Be a really solid regional base force and, uh, and just stay with it and keep going with it. But No, the funny thing is, is I think they try to grow the sport. They're like, oh, we're going to get fans, but they don't do things that actually would get fans who weren't already fans in. Like, why don't you just let the other fans take care of it? We will drag them into the tribe and you just put on a good product. Also, maybe put some games on regular TV all the time. Because like, especially right now, why did, why do we need 95 reruns of the same damn Ninja Warrior, which is a great show and all, but I've already seen this run when Dallas is playing, you know, whatever right now, like that 
people like hockey. The numbers are always good when you show it. So just show it and they will come. I think they need to market their players better too. I mean, that's, that's been a problem for years is that their best players need to be marketed better because that's where on national TV networks and programming, people will start to, to get to know them better. And that's really the way to do it is to really market your players, show their personality and then get people to know them, casual people. Like my mother knows Bobby Orr. My mother knows Wayne Gretzky, but she doesn't know many Boston Bruins. She might know Chara <laughs> because if he's 69. Ask- but that's about it. Like if my mother knows you, then you know you've made it in sports. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, and not only that, but like right now, if you asked a non-hockey fan, like name one Boston Bruin, they're going to say David Pasternak because he's on the Dunks commercial. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, they'll be right. like, oh, that kid with the accent. Yeah, bad my wife teeth knows on the because dunks. of that. Right. Yeah. Right. It's very true. Um, yeah, it's all right. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Mark has been doing some sportscaster stuff and uh, getting some really good responses. So Mark, I was going to give you a few minutes to talk about that. Yeah. So on Wednesdays, I, I didn't do one last week because I was on vacation watching my dad's dogs while he was on vacation. So um, I, I've been doing it weekly on Wednesdays at six o'clock and I try to do it for at least two hours. It can go a lot further if people get involved. So um, and what it is, it, it's called Sportscaster, and, and it is a streaming service of, like, when you're watching a game. Uh, you're not technically watching a game, but you, you're, you're, um, you're, you're watching the game, but you're talking about it with people in the chat, and you can have hosts on it, too, that are also watching the same game. So you never see the action, you, you just hear the Sportscaster talking about it. Right. It's a lot of fun, um, and we've gotten some good responses on it. And I'm going to continue to do that every Wednesday at 6 to 8 p.m., uh, Talking Bruins. Um, it, and sometimes I'm going to do a bonus pod, uh, not a pod, but a bonus sportscaster on Saturdays. Uh, it's a, I call it Saturday Social, and it's going to be I'm, me having a couple drinks, watching the game, and hopefully on the Saturday's bonus uh, sportscaster ones, uh, there's a Providence Bruins game on. So uh, you'll be able to come in, into the stream, into the chat, ask questions, and I, I'll talk about what's going on uh, in the action on the uh, on the AHL TV, hopefully. But uh, it, no, it's, it's good. You, you just go to sportscaster.com and uh, sign up for a free account, and you can get involved. Uh, we have a lot of people that are guests that, that just click the link. But they don't become full members. You have to become a full member to get involved in the chat and um, and to be on as a host. So if you know if you want to jump on with me and talk talk Bruins hockey, it's a good opportunity to, to go have a strong internet, have a good uh, connection with your audio, and uh, I'd love to talk to you. But if you don't feel like talking and being on a live stream, then get involved in the chat, ask some questions and. And do what you can, but it's a lot of fun, and uh, we've gotten like like I said, we've gotten some good responses, and I uh, got a nice little following over there. So we're gonna keep going. So a lot of good things happening at B and G Productions Sports Media Company. So staying active, keeping the off season live. You know, uh, it's it's downtime. People need a place to go for content, and we're we're trying to provide the best that we can do uh, um, as fans. So. I'm loving it. Hopefully everybody else is because the website is killing it. After the mm-hmm. first month, we've gotten like, uh, I think, 100,000 page views. I think mm-hmm. that uh, the last time Andrew sent me a report, it was um, 
It was fifty thousand into the second week of our our launch on the on the new platform, and mm. uh, it's been unbelievable. So, a lot of good traffic. Absolutely, black black and gold hockey dot com. A lot of great writers. We've actually pumped out an article every single day. We've been did doing. very proud of that, yeah. um, and that's that's been a first at B and G. I tried so hard to get it done, but things happen. So now what we're doing is uh, we are an approved uh, news affiliate of uh, Google News and Apple News. So and um, they navigate to our stuff and then they put it out on their platform. So we're working with them, which is really good and getting us awesome views too. So, But to, to keep that going, it's really good to have a post per day so we've been scheduling things out if it's time sensitive we'll get it out as soon as possible as in breaking news but if it's a think piece or something like that especially during the off season i can schedule the post to have one done um per month and sometimes we've we've done seven per day and then so it's it's, it's a lot we do like 100 articles a month we have like a team of almost 30 um and i, I can't be prouder so i want november to be the same a post per day would be awesome and then continue on through there so we can just keep cranking it out. I love my team and I'm so proud of everybody. So including you guys. You guys are, are a part of the B and G family. So kudos to everybody. Yeah, Black and Gold Productions is uh just a great uh if you want Bruins information every single day, even in a time like this in the off season where people might think there aren't a lot to talk about. We have some great articles, some great trade speculation. We have just great feature stories, breaking news, as Mark said. So anytime something happens with the Bruins, you want to go to the website or follow on Twitter, Black and Gold Pod, uh, and you can you can get all sorts of great information from us. And and then buy from our sponsors. Fanatics has a great uh, sponsorship with us where you can buy Christmas gifts. And so if you're, you'll see if you follow black and gold pod or if you follow mark at black and gold 277 he uh, tweets out a lot of those great uh, buys from from fanatics as well for bruins gear and accessories and for the youtube uh, viewers please follow right there right there that's that's the uh the podcast information and that's the website right there so check it out awesome uh so this week in bruins history and Mark, you said you had one for today. Boom shakalaka! I got two actually because I, I I went through uh, one of these calendars. I was slacking, guys. I worked late last night at B and G, but I got one of these calendars. So it's one per day of a Bruins fact. So I bought three of these, and one of them's uh, two of them are going away in the uh, Patreon giveaways. We'll talk about that later. How you can be eligible, but uh, just in a scramble, I opened one up and and took a look. So. And uh, that, that calendar is from Fanatics, too. Um, on November 3rd, 1959, Bronco Horvath scored two goals and had two assists in a Bruins 6-3 win over the Chicago Blackhawks. Unfortunately, Bronco passed away uh, in 2019, I believe. Um, and if anybody watches the two-part series of the Bruins history on YouTube, uh, he's in there talking about Chief and... And uh, and some of the teammates that he had, and you know, so um, great guy. I got another one, uh, and and it, what I'm doing, if people don't know, is this week in Bruins history is something that happened during the week that's coming up. 
So we're ahead. So it is November 1st, but these are later dates in the week. So on November 5th, 2011, a great year, by the way, uh, Tyler Sagan scored three goals on three shots in a Bruins 7-0 win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Sticking it to Toronto even back then. I love it. Love it. But that (laughs) is... That's that, great. Yeah. That is the uh, the week in Boston Bruins history. Yeah, and, and Tyler Sagan. That, that was all the more reason to trade him was to he scored too many goals. I, I know, I know. Yeah. Shot percentage was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, that, that'll do it for episode two hundred and one. Uh, and it's been another great episode. We talk about uh, all sorts of great Bruins topics every single week. We come up with a new one. Uh, the beginning of every week and uh, continue to to follow us on Twitter and please go to blackandgoldhockey.com and read all the great articles and all the great information we talk about every single day and all the Bruins information you could ever need. So for Heather Ingerson and Mark Allred, I am Matt Barry. It's been a great uh, week. And Mark, you had one last thing? Yeah, I'm going to talk about patreon.com. Um, please go to patreon.com slash podcast. Donate $1.00. Per episode, max of um, max of uh, eight dollars. We're not probably gonna, we're gonna cap it off. Uh, so we we have another a couple other podcasts we might throw in there too. So um, yeah, and you can win some prizes. Mm-hmm. I mean, just by donating and, and help us uh, cutting the operation costs, um, we want to give back to you. So I've been buying stuff for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, I think I really want to kick this off on uh, January 1st. So when we do our first podcast on January 1st, I think that's good. We're going to go January to January. Every week, we're going to give something away. So I have a ton of stuff here. Shirts, hats, calendars, fanatics, um, B&G gear. We have a ton of it. So you will get something if you become eligible. It's just $1. And please go wherever these... I'm putting these signs. When I do the, the YouTube video, please go to... Uh, patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast awesome so we'll uh, see everybody again uh, next week thanks rate and review rate and Uh, review review, yeah subscribe keep keep the rate and reviews coming man we got had a couple of them uh i think last week once we get like four or five together we'll uh we'll uh we'll talk about them but keep going we need them it's awesome it really helps us out five stars is the best and Call us trash in the in the in the comments. We don't care. Just give us five stars if you don't mind. <laughs> Not to yell at you. What we meant is, please go rate and review the podcast on your your favorite pod streaming whatever. I use Apple myself, and that's where I'll be looking for them. <laughs> uh, and don't forget the podcast network on blackandgoldhockey.com. We have nine shows, ten coming soon. So a great place for all your Boston Bruins audio content. This place is out of control. <laughs> Articles and sportscasters and podcasts. Oh, my. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're all over the place. Absolutely. All right, all right, guys. All right, guys. Thank you very much uh, for the listeners, yeah. to the, to the supporters, and everything like that. You guys are amazing and continue to be. So um, we will talk very, very soon. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to 
blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.